Alright y'all, what is going on? This is your man L. Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. Today, we got a bit to go over. Uh, we're going to start off with the war on the street. I want to get through some national news, some international news. Uh, and also, uh, I want to go over the first round of the NBA playoffs, at least the series that have been, you know, you know, completed. Uh, we have one more game at least tonight uh, between the uh, sorry the Mavericks and the Clippers. We will go through that at some point uh, tomorrow, uh, maybe even Sunday morning or Sunday night, just depending on when I get to that. Of course, I am working on that review for the room as well. Outside of the NBA playoffs, I will be breaking down the MLB. Uh, we have some news to go over. We're going to be going over some scores from yesterday. We do have some action on the way uh, for today, uh, starting around the 4 o'clock hour. And also, we're going to be going over the standings as well as some of the stats. So uh, let's just go ahead and get into it. All right, starting uh, with some news coming from California, uh, really the West Coast in general. Three-fourths of the West Coast currently is dealing with some form of severe or moderate drought. Uh, this includes California, Nevada, and also Washington State. A hot and arid climate along with temperatures well above 100 degrees over the past week or so is making uh this making the conditions for a wildfires for wildfires worse and also um, increasing our chances for you know some sort of water shortages in California uh, our water reservoirs are 50% lower uh, than they were last year at this time uh, this uh, this could also force hydroelectric electric power plants to shut down uh, during the worst parts of the fire season I would I'm not too sure why that would be the case to be honest with you that would just that's just one of those things that will go down so you would you would have less power over the course of the summer because of that um less power supply i'm guessing also of course because of you know you having to not use the water obviously you're out of water as well uh california is calling for at least their governor gavin newsom uh, is calling for a two billion dollar uh two billion dollars to be made available for a preparedness budget so uh increasing our firefighting force getting the tools ready to fight that or combat that or uh just in general for you know what's going on as a result of these climate changes uh this is a quote coming from the national integrated uh, sorry, National Integrated Drought Information System. Uh, they would go on to say after two years of dry conditions, both California and Nevada are 100% in a drought, period. There's no explanation about it. Uh, we're also dealing with less snow in the Sierra Nevada, uh, which is making less snowpack. This also affects uh, water levels as well. Water melts from the mountains, it trickles down into the rivers, a creek, streams, so on and so forth. We're not having that. So, again, less snow, less precipitation. Well, starting with less precipitation, that's the main thing. No precipitation, that means lower reservoir levels, lower snowpack, again, affecting water levels from across the board. And again, uh, just for those who are still saying global warming doesn't exist, global warming doesn't that, uh, again, we're past that it's not global warming it is climate change the problem is it's not a, it's, see and that's the thing it originally was thought to be global warming but over time what we realize is it's not just the fact that pl certain places are getting hotter that is happening but certain places are getting colder certain places are getting wetter while certain places as we are seeing in california it is drier back in the 90s early 2000s it rained a lot more than what it does now nobody says this but this is 
the truth. Again, this is not a this is not global warming. Again, this is a pattern of climate change. Climate is changing. It can get warmer or hotter. Again, it was originally thought to just be warming, but again, that has since changed. A lot of people still say global warming in order to 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 just say that and put that false narrative out there. Just so you can have it discredited and say, oh, well, it's not just getting hot. See these temperatures? They're getting colder. That's just to that's just to nullify global warming, which we've already established is not the case. It's global climate change. That is what's affecting these areas right now. Uh, and that is a result of actual man-made causes you can say what you like about that there's no if ands or buts about that so california nevada also washington state uh facing some serious problems with drought uh as for washington state is beginning to affect their agriculture uh division their agri agriculture uh agriculture sector um lots of crops being lost again there's and again when you lose crops you're losing revenue so their farming industry is taking a downturn for this so we are already seeing some effects as we are as we speak so it, at as the rate at the rate of this summer is going it is likely to get even worse this is expected to be the one of the worst droughts on record so um do what you can do to cons uh, conserve. Hopefully things don't get terrible. We just have to wait and see. Uh, we have another uh, another development here. This is a jobs report. Now over 555, uh, sorry, 550,000 jobs were added in the month of May. This is slightly, uh, actually slightly lower than what was projected. But unemployment rates did drop from 6.1% to 5.8%. Now, most of the job acquisitions were in leisure and hospitality. This included a total of $292,000, uh, sorry, 292,000 jobs at states and local governments. Again, they eased those restrictions related to COVID because, again, the numbers are going down. People are getting vaccinated. So, again, people are traveling more. Of course, you're going to want travel, leisure, hospitality. That makes perfect sense. However, job openings as a whole are still in an all-time high, uh, particularly in the construction industry, where jobs will fall for the second straight months. Now, what they're saying here is because of lack of materials, so a lack of uh, projects probably being started, therefore, people not getting hired for those jobs. That makes sense. Uh, with that being said, only 61% of adults aged 25 to 54 are actually currently working or looking for a job. This is down 2% from February, despite increases in wages in wages in the private hospitality and leisure sector, as well as the retail. Um, with all those increases in wages, it's obvious that workers Again, they do have some fear of the virus to some extent. They also may have issues with child care. And again, um, even with these raises in a lot of places, is it really on par with the with the price of living? Recently, uh, the state minimum wage of California has moved up to fifteen dollars an hour. But to be real here, that's not going to cover rent in many of these places starting out. So, again, I don't see where, you know, I, I don't see where a lot of workers would be motivated to work nine to five minimum wage at this moment. Anyways, with all this going on, I kind of get it. However, moving on from that. Um, now, like I said, uh, employers are even looking to, you know, add signing bonuses to, you know, their hiring processes, saying up to a thousand dollars for you to sign on and work for somebody to get these these employees to come in. Because, again, 
you know, this is all about making those jobs, you know, for the economy, increasing uh, people's, you know, access to income. You know, we spend with our income. It keeps the, you know, this is a this is a commerce society. Again, another uh, big sector that's not really um, meeting their quotas in terms of employment are smaller businesses, because, again, I'm going to go I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that they're normally going to pay a little bit less than the minimum than the minimum wage. And that's that's kind of why uh, people want to survive. And I know that the average business owner, at least a small business owner, is going to tell you, well, I got to say this, you know, or I need to, you know, this certain wage for somebody else or whatever, whatever their excuse may be or whatever their reasoning may be. I think smaller businesses usually tend to pay a little bit lower. I think that's their biggest issue there. Um also, unemployment rate for black folks is 9%, so it's still one of the highest in the nation. Uh, this is a quote coming from Michelle Holder, a professor of economics at John Jay College. She would go on to say, the unemployment rate, sorry, we are looking at a labor market that appears to be heading, uh, it appears to be heading along, but the, sorry, it appears to be healing, but the healing is very slow. If the recovery is slow overall, then it's at a crawl place, crawl pace for black people in America. Again, uh, the quote was, we're looking at a labor market that appears to be healing, but the healing is very slow. If the recovery is slow overall, it's at a crawl place for black people in America, which means everything is trickling down to us at the lat the lattest, the lattest party can. A lot of times we're still getting looked over. If we are getting hired, we are typically getting hired at lower rates. Uh, and between men and women, unemployment rates, um, for women, they are at 5.5%. For men, they are at just at 6%. So, again, the unemployment rate is going down even amongst black people. But, again, there's still some strides that need to be made there. Why are we at, you know, out of work like that? Why do we have the highest number? I don't know. I personally don't like that type of stat. Of all the stats we got, those are some of the things that we need to we need to handle in our own community and try to figure out what's going on here. Is that some type of systematic racism? Is that some us not wanting to work or feeling valued in this uh, in this market? Um, I think that's part of it. Um, a lot of us, I, I and to be honest with you, a lot of us find more success again, especially particularly black males. Uh, we are finding success outside of the parameters of corporate America or retail America, particularly retail America, because uh, some of us are doing their our thing in re, in corporate, but um, retail no. Uh, construction again. You, you you might have some jobs there. Of course, we uh, are making up probably some of your trade sector uh, jobs as well. You know, plumbing, electrician, and stuff like that. Uh, but anything you know, nine to five, anything minimum wage. I especially for us folk, uh, no. <laughs> it's not going to cut it for us in this in this 21st century. Uh, and that's where they seem to be kind of slotting us because, again, education levels, um, experience levels, you know, trade skills. What do we bring into the table? So these are all things that we have to look at. And, um, you know, for a lot of us, uh, maybe maybe jobs aren't the, the answer, per se, maybe a career in, in, in something outside of, you know, your typical, you know, in professions that you see other people do. You know, and again, a lot of us are finding success in, you know, our own way, you know, finding our own entrepreneurial avenues, again, picking up trades and then learning entrepreneurship there and in, in promoting our own independent, you know, independent self. So um, 
that might be a way for us to start promoting and something that we need to all start trying to promote more than anything. Because, again, jobs are one thing. And, again, this 9 one unemployment rate is high. And, again, I think it's high just because they, they just don't hire us like that. And it's just going to always be there. And it's a reflection. And they try to use it as a reflection of who we are. And, and I think we're way more than what this society says, at least in the working environment or the typical, you know, education system will indicate about us and uh, that's just kind of what we're looking at right here so again um, jobs are available um, that's what I'm seeing here um, a lot of jobs in hospitality there are some jobs in retail but these are kind of you know these are the lower paying jobs and that's just kind of what we see here uh, the private sector jobs are paying 30 bucks an hour and you uh, and, and that sounds good and you know that might sound good to a lot of people look at the education and the skills that you might you know need to be getting to get those jobs that's what I'm going to suggest to anybody um, because again retail's fine if it's if it's your thing uh, customer service is fine if that's your thing hospitality same thing but these jobs uh, looks like as far as I'm seeing pay significantly less than what you're gonna get in some of these other these other um, these other sectors and and don't get me wrong I I, I feel as though um, I believe that all of us should be getting paid a wage that's reflective of the house of you know of house of the housing market and what we can afford um, again I'm not saying that a you know, your your engineer needs to be getting paid the same as somebody who works um, at a at the mall or as a custodian. I'm not saying that per se, but I'm saying any custodian, you know, over the age of 18 or 21, really, you know, of, of an adult age should be getting paid a wage that's reflective of some type of housing that could be purchased in this society. If not, then I don't I don't see what we're doing here to really serve anybody. And I don't really see the purpose of uh, having these, you know, these these menial uh, out of private non-private sector jobs, especially if they're going to pay us so much, so much, so much less than everybody else. Uh, moving on, my final story that I wanted to get into was uh, is going to be on the international level. Uh, but Putin is in the news recently. Um, he's talking about peace. He's talking about what he doesn't like about what the U.S. has done to him. He's just been talking. Let's go and get it. Let's just go ahead and get into it. On one hand, Russian President uh, Vladimir Putin said that he was willing to improve relations with the U.S. while also complaining that Biden and company has uh, basically stifled his country's development. And basically the U.S. in general just kind of been in his business, kind of just sitting there, just kind of giving him a bad rap that's undeserved. You know, that's that's in his opinion. Uh, but the two do plan to meet up on June the 16th. They try, they will be uh, basically talking about the economy, talking about international relations, of course, their relations, also climate change as well. Uh, this is the big quote coming from Putin. I wanted to kind of dissect this one. He went on to say, we don't have any issues with the U.S., but it has an issue with us. It wants to uh contain our our development and publicly talks about it economic restrictions and attempts to influence our country's domestic politics relying on friends they considered to, relying on forces they considered to be allies inside of russia and uh he said it he said it stems from that um you know there is some type of friction between the u.s and russia it's been that way for a while here um i think part of that at least in the more modern era 
uh, goes back to 2014 uh, when the Russians forcefully took over the Crimean Peninsula under the Obama administration. Uh, they did not like that. Then you fast forward two years later with the 2016 elections, Democrats uh, basically accused the Russians of infiltrating that. Of course, the Russians have since denied that. Although uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of evidence to to point to the contrary, in my opinion. Um, but again. I mean, that relationship between him and Trump got a little bit murky. So you don't really know uh, where we stand there. Uh, there's all, uh, Russia has also been cu accused of many cyberware attacks, including the Colonial Pipeline as of recently that shut down and created a lot of gas shortages back east a couple weeks back. Um, they're also accused of protecting accused ransomware users, um, you know, and producers. Uh, so they have that going against them. And like I said, they will always be like a Cold War beef. Of course, capitalism versus communism. I do believe in a free market society, but I do believe it needs to be regulated as well uh, to be properly maintained. I don't think it just operates on its own. I, I think it becomes corrupt. I think any any form of government um, is no form of government is corruption proof. So that's kind of where I feel on that. Um, and. That's pretty much what you're going to going through between both of these forces. Um, as far as um, our, our, as far as this question, I think one of the big questions that I get or that I'm seeing coming from this is: Are good relations with Russia necessary? And I'm going to say yes because we have two of the bigger militaries on the planet next to China. Uh, we have two of the more capable militaries on the planet next to China and it's all about allies so again if we start beefing with Russia um, more than likely they're going to probably ally with China which will create more problems of course we have our allies as well so it will be it will create almost a war a worldwide conflict uh, that we truly wouldn't need so is it necessary uh, yes how do we go about it I'm not too sure uh, there might be some ways that we can work some things out again I'm, I will give Putin uh, Putin the benefit of the doubt he has uh, recently uh, talked about the severity of climate change in his country. Uh, he mentioned some of the cities and some of the territories within his country built on what we call permafrost. Um, and uh, with global global climate change, what happens, what could happen, potentially happen is this permafrost can melt, putting me, many people that live in those cities um, in tons of danger. So he's recently mentioned that. I think he's willing to work uh, with the world community in terms of that. Um, he Again, he was honest about that. So I will give him props for that. Um, I guess in terms of working things out with the U.S., they just find common things that they could work on together. Like I said, their economies, uh, they could work on again, you know, this environmental thing we both have. We are both experiencing the, the negative effects of climate change based on what, again, we all as societies have been doing to the environment since industrialization. So we're all facing that. Um, so maybe we can find these common issues that we can work on. Hopefully the meeting on the 16th can go us in a certain positive direction. Um, but there are some things going again, like I said, going against Russia really, um, again, they've been in, they've interfered with our airspace recently. They've been in our waterways. They've, uh, threatened ships. They've threatened our, our aircraft. So there's things that kind of, uh, push, you know, that make it a little bit difficult to kind of assess where we could go with this. Russia has done some things that we don't like. Of course, we've done some things that Russia doesn't like. Uh, we've been at an all time low. Um, and as far as, uh, I know that, uh, 
well one of our one of our armistice one one of our armistice agreements meaning you know the cease you know uh hostilities between each other have been you know pretty much eradicated so one of them one of those you know treaties are gone uh so those are things that we have to worry about is russia an issue yes um, is it a pressing, pressing issue to the point where I feel like they're close to attacking us any day now? No, but it could ramp up uh, just depending on what happens in June. What happens over the course of the summer? Do we do we continue fucking with North Korea? Do we continue fucking with Afghanistan and their other proxy allies? I think Libya is another one of them. Do we keep fucking with those guys? Uh, do we still increase hostilities with China? A big, uh, a, I mean, again, they're both communist parties. They might not say that they're, you know, buddies, buddy, buddy, buddy per se but uh they're definitely allies because they have the same belief system and they pretty much run their government the same um so there you go so it's something that we have to figure out can we figure it out i don't know though but it definitely is necessary uh to for world security all right y'all i'm gonna call i'm gonna take a quick break and when we come back i will be going over the nba playoff of course like i said i got my round one recaps ready for y'all so i'll be right back Let's break down the NBA playoffs. I'm going to break down uh, each series. Some more so than others. Some of them were a little bit more cut and dry. Like in the case of uh, the Celtics and the and the Nets, that was a little bit more cut and dry. Actually, I got some, I got some, I got some notes on that one. But some of these, some of these were a little bit more cut and dry, like the Wizards and the, the, the Wizards and the Sixers. I'm not gonna go super deep into those, uh, but there were some that went a little bit deep, and I got, I got a little bit of coverage on those. Uh, we're gonna start off with uh, the three and the six seed matchup in the West, uh, Portland. Uh, going down to Denver in four games, uh, six games, sorry, total. Four games to two was the series total. Um, and some takeaways from the series is, of course, uh, Jokic is a, is a fucking beast. 32 points a game, pretty much. Uh, he allowed uh, averaged 11 rebounds a game and also four assists. Uh, he's just a, a big-time factor. Um, just all over the place. And... Um, definitely worth worth uh the mvp votes if he you know all mvp votes that he does get um i know that they don't look at the 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 postseason as a barometer for you know mvp but um just just the way that he's able to take it from the regular season to the postseason is just something that uh, a lot of people I can't say they can they can do that and they give they get a lot more public you know pub than this guy they get a lot more love uh, than this guy but the way that this guy transitions from the postseason to the regular season is just something else. Um, Dame did all he could is my next takeaway, uh, except in the second half of Game Six. I feel as though 
um, throughout the series. He, you know, did all he could, especially was it game five uh, with the 55 points, of course, and the loss to overtime. Uh, but I feel like in game six, he kind of just was like, fuck it. Um, but back to what he did throughout the series, he would be about the highest score of the entire series. He scored 178 total points. Maybe that does take something out of you. I, I mean, you know, maybe, um, you know, I'm not giving him his just due all the way, but I just feel like he just did not want to play in the fourth quarter. Um, I just felt like he just said, fuck it, we're losing almost late in the third quarter. And it's just like he kind of gave up. He would go 8-20 overall in game six. And it just seemed like he just wasn't feeling it. And I didn't like that. Um, that bugged me. Um, as a Portland fan, uh, that actually really bugged me. And I don't know how to go. I don't know how to feel about that going into the offseason. A little bit more about game six. Uh, Monte Morris hits you know, a, a crucial three at the buzzer to end uh, the third quarter. Austin Rivers and also Jokic hit threes throughout the game, uh, mostly just to stretch the lead out in the fourth quarter. That was pretty much what sealed it. Uh, again, just tremendous shooting when it counted uh, from, the, from the Nuggets. Both teams shot pretty well. I told you guys uh, I was not surprised if any of these games were to go to overtimes. I thought it would be multiple games that would go to overtime. But we would have just one, two overtime game. Um, the first game was a 126-90 blowout uh, pretty much. The next game was a 126-90 blowout. I said that as well. Uh, these teams you know, are really good rivals and um, they play each other pretty close but uh, looks like Denver got the best of us this year. I'm not... I'm not mad. I'm not mad at the uh, at the Nuggets. I'm just very frustrated uh, about Portland, which leads me to the question: What's next for Portland? I think they should get rid of Terry Stotts. I I know a lot of people are gonna say, well, we've won so many games with him. He's taken us to the playoffs, but um, he hasn't done anything really for us past there. I don't. I, I think there's a a definitely ceiling for us with him. Uh, maybe maybe you try to run it back with who you have. Uh, because that's kind of a lot of the moves that we could could have made, we can't make. Um, but maybe you do run it back without him, just just to kind of see what what you can do, um, just to kind of see if, and then and then you kind of go from there. Um, I also think we might need to just move on from Carmelo. Um, as positive as I wanted to be about him earlier in the series, I felt like outside of the one game, um, outside of the, the games leading up to the playoffs, um, he did not look that great. Uh, is what I'm trying to say. In that first round series, he did not look that that great. I definitely think the age is getting to him. A lot of a lot of empty possessions. Um, I think not only maybe even moving on from Carmelo, maybe even Nurkic or CJ. Um, again, I, I saw too many too many times where for CJ, he just had too many just empty possessions. And um, for what it's worth. Um, in the fourth quarter, I know I'm saying I know I'm saying you know a lot of different sounding things here, but it, I also didn't like his performance in yes and in, in, in yesterday in the fourth quarter either. Um, I know he was missing a lot to some extent, but I felt like him and Dane, you know, just just for all that everybody says about this team and 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 how all our offensive you know capabilities you know rest on those guys. Neither one of them really tried in that fourth quarter. I mean, at least miss the shots, at least shoot and miss more or something, at least try. It's almost like they didn't want the ball and they didn't really require it. I kept seeing plays being called called to Nurkic to go in the paint. Like, what the fuck is this? You know, it really got on my nerves. That's why I think, you know, Stotts might have to go as well because that just, that's, that's coaching as well. Um, like I said on Nurkic, you know, he just, he... 
he didn't look bad. I mean, he didn't look good at all up against Jokic. Excuse me. Um, you know, you saw him going in that third quarter. I think he got his fourth or fifth, and he just looked so devastated on the on the on the, the sideline. And that's when I knew I don't think this is the guy. Um, Jokic and him were teammates at one point in time in Denver, and, and it seems like Jokic has that man's number, um, at least on the offensive defensive uh, matchup for them. Um, Jokic knows exactly where to go, knows exactly knows exactly where to be with this guy, and it's not even close. Uh, we'll have to see what happens when he faces up against uh, DeAndre Aiden. Um, it would have been good to see him face up against you know a quality big man like uh, Anthony Davis, but he wasn't around to help his team uh, get to that point. So he'll have to. So for Jokic, you have to go up against DeAndre Aiden. I, I think that might be easy pickings based on what I've seen. Uh, in this Portland series. Like I said, Nurkic would get five five fouls in yesterday's game. And like I said, just all out of sorts. He just looked to be just very, just not willing to play either. He just looked like, you know, devastated. And, and, and it looked as the, as that third quarter went on and we went into that fourth quarter that we just didn't want it anymore. And that's, those are major problems for me. Um, as much as I want to, you know, as much as I will congratulate, you know, Denver, Portland played terribly, and Portland played like they didn't want it. They they played like they wouldn't know what to do if they went to the second round. And I'm tired of giving this this team the benefit of the doubt. I'm really am. This 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 loss really tested me. Um, like I said, uh, Stotts the continuously run plays for Nurkic early in the fourth quarter. Nurkic is bricking. Why are you doing that? He's letting him you know control the ball. He's letting the ball get stripped from him. He's not holding on to the ball very well. I don't know why this is going on. Dame doesn't want a shot. Covington, of course, doesn't want a shot. He ain't been shooting nothing, no way. Uh, Norman Powell couldn't find a bucket to save his fucking life. And it's just... Whew. Sorry. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> um, freaking, uh, freaking microphone fell down and everything. Robot spoken feedback is ready. Yeah. Okay, computer. Yeah, see, it's crazy, but um, it's just it's it was just ridiculous, you know, to see that happen, and um, and um, if they if they need if they feel the need that they need to just keep CJ and Dame just for the sake of it, I think they need to just I don't know how they're gonna do it, but they need to get rid of everybody else and get one more prominent big. Um, and maybe a swing guy, you know, um, I, I, I'm not saying get rid of everybody like it's a, like it's a fire sale, but you got to bring in one, you got to bring in a prominent big or, or a good swing guy, a small forward guy who's really going to score again, maybe a power forward flex type who can score for you guys outside of Dame and, and CJ. Cause this is ridiculous. Uh, once they get tired, this, I mean, we, the whole team falls apart and it's just, it's just ridiculous. And old ass Carmelo ain't going to be the one to help us. I'm just, I'm just keeping it lit with y'all. Old ass Carmelo ain't going to do it. I saw, I saw Norman Powell. He couldn't find a bucket to save his life. I don't, I'm done looking at it. I I, I turned this shit, I turned this shit off early in the fourth. I didn't want to see it no more. Um, terrible showing yesterday from us. I didn't like it. Sorry, guys. Um, moving on, we got the Suns. Uh, they were able to get, take care of the Lakers last night. Uh, winning the series four games to two. Uh, yesterday, they were able to win one, uh, 113 to 110. A couple of takeaways from the series. The Lakers aren't who they thought they were. AD is prone to injury, 
and there's no real threat in the supporting cast. I know uh, people are going to say, like, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker kind of showed up. I know you had some of from Dennis Schroeder last night with 20 points, I think. You also had some points from uh, KCP last night, Contavious Caldwell Pope last night. Far too inconsistent. Kyle Kuzma went one for seven for three. Marcus All had Marcus All excuse me had zero points in eighteen minutes. Nobody was there to really threaten this team outside of LeBron AD. That is a very significant problem. Um, the Suns also were never afraid in this series. Yes, they they dropped two in a row, uh, dealing with Chris Paul's injury, but they remained relatively in those games for the most part. There was not a game that I felt like the Lakers were just gonna turn around and win the series. I never felt comfortable with the Lakers. Um, now that I think about it and I look at the final scores again, I got it in front of my face. And uh, yeah, the Nets. The, sorry, the Suns played a very very uh, good series pass off to them. Uh, best performance I've seen so far in the playoffs, at least around one. Uh, one question for the Lakers, is LeBron getting too old for this? Um, I know people are saying, oh, you know, already you got the Warriors, I'm sorry, the Laker fans saying, oh, well, he's just going to have a long offseason. You know what happens now. He's going to come back ready to, and, and brand to go. He's going to be a little bit older, though. You know, how much more can you really do? He's going to be 36, something like that. Ah. If he wants to do it, for as long as he wants to do it, if he can do it, go ahead. But older you get, the more injuries. This was this was as easy as a well. This this was a chance for two in a row, as a biggest chance for two in a row, two championships in a row, as any other. So I don't know what to say about the Lakers next year. Uh, I don't see LeBron retiring right away. But again, I think this takes a lot of them. They talking about there's gonna be some rest for him. Yeah, but I mean the the West is gonna be still gonna be good. So okay, you gonna have some more rest. Okay, you still gonna have to play these people. So okay, moving on, we got the uh, Grizzlies uh, going down in five games to the first seeded Jazz. Um, and this one again, this one was pretty cut and dry. We um, pretty much knew that the Jazz was gonna get their job, get the job done. Um, one good thing I will say about the Grizzlies is the performance of Ja Morant. Um, he's definitely, you know, a force we reckon with. Uh, he got some help throughout the series from his brother, from his buddy, uh, Dylan Brooks. He would have, he would average about almost 20 points a game, two in the series. So, uh, they have a lot of things to build on in, uh, Memphis. Um, of course, uh, we knew they weren't going to get the best of the Jazz in this series, but they played, uh, really well, uh, you know we, you know we, we were gonna, you know they they played very well for what we thought uh, was gonna come from it from an AFC. They played very well uh, for the Jazz, of course. Rudy Gobert, of course, doing his thing, uh, double doubles pretty much throughout the series. Of course, Donovan Mitchell, uh, pretty much a big scoring factor. Uh, you also have Mike Conley involved as well. Um, you know, all, all all assets to their game was was war- was raring to go. Uh, you also had their two six men candidates, and you know, doing their thing. You had some decent games from Joe Ingles and Jordan Clark- Clarkson, and again, easy easy way to go, easy route for the Grizzlies. I'm sorry for the Jazz. I don't know what happens to them in the next round though, but again, they got the job done. Uh, moving to the Eastern Conference, uh, we have a, another easy uh, series to talk about here, although we're going to get into a little bit in terms of, w- of one of these teams at least. Uh, the Celtics and the Nets, of course, the one versus the eighth seed. Um, the Nets get the best of this series, four games to one. 
a couple takeaways. Uh, as predicted, the Nets did did dominate outside of a couple games from uh, Jason Tatum, where he had 40, uh, sorry, 50 and 40 points respectively. Uh, Brooklyn's trio just you know, was just way too much for them. They averaged about 25 points per game, if not more. They had about over 25 points a game. You also had Joe Harris show up, show up one night and give him like 30 in a win. So um, Brooklyn was firing on all cinder, cylinders, at least in the their top three players. Uh, I knew this. I, again, I'm not 100% sold about who they have in their their death, their you know their supporting cast. But again, you ain't beating that big three, and um, you know. Boston is kind of racist. They're also an elitist fan base as well. That's another takeaway that I got. And um, the fans do kind of suck. Um, you know, and that's kind of to talk more about, you know, the fan and, you know, player interactions recently. Um, now, what I will say is this. In Boston's situation, it was a little bit of mix of the player and the team. It, well, the player and the fan base uh Kyrie did something a little bit toxic of course he rubbed his feet on that ugly ass logo no it's not an ugly ass logo I'm just playing y'all but I mean he 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 stamped on the logo I think uh, a fan you know a fan reacted to that by throwing a water bottle no that's what he did do um you know I, I think in that situation you know Kyrie you know he kind of he kind of asked for it kind of in that situation. You know, there's a lot of situations where, you know, of course, with the Russell Westbrook situation, he's simply walking back to his place, uh, to, to the locker room. I think he gets something thrown on him. Uh, a couple of uh, other players like Trey Young, uh, he gets some insults thrown out of him from the New York fans, so just kind of playing the game. Those things, I'm like, ah, come on, shut up. Shut up, fan. You know, just sip your beer, watch the game. Um, you know, come on, stay up off of him, you know. Uh, but Kyrie kind of doing his thing, stopping on the logo. I, I, I get him getting that response. Is it the the end of the world? Are these interactions the end of the world? Period. No, but they are just indicative of you know just some of the uh the privilege these these white patrons feel. I don't hear too many. I don't see too many cases of black fans throwing shit at these white players or throwing shit at players in general. Um, I see Caucasians doing this. This is something that they feel that they can do. It's it to me. It's a vestige from from being able to own a certain certain group of people. Um, so even if you know we are multi million dollar basketball players, you feel even though that you don't get paid nowhere near as them. Uh, but for the simple fact that you paid to watch these people, it's it's somewhat of like a like a slavery kind of mentality. Like oh, I paid you to do this little role for me, so do this, or I'm gonna be mad and throw shit at you. I, I don't like that. I don't I don't necessarily like it. Um, but I do respect the players from hold, holding in their uh, anger and not lashing out via. You know, Malice at the Palace via Vernon Maxwell. We could have had those type of situations. Um, and I do give it to the players for not going there. Um, you know, like I said, in, in certain cases, like, you know, the player's balling out and, you know, they just want to talk shit to him and do whatever to him. That's fucked up. Kyrie, he kind of he kind of asked for it. You know, he didn't have to have a water ball thrown at him. But again, that's kind of, you know, what. I get, you know, that's the environment we got. You don't, you know, you don't just, you know, do that, you know, I guess. Um, but it is, again, it's all part of the game, though. Like, you know, on the college level, you know, you see, you know, you see shit like that. Um, it's funny because I was just watching, um, I'm watching this new, uh, this, well, it's not a new channel, uh, but it's a channel that's new to me. And it's a channel that covers the NFL on YouTube. 
I think the channel is called Jaguar Gator 9. Check it out if you haven't. It's a pretty decent football channel. It talks a lot, a lot about the history of the sport, yada, yada, yada. But um, long story short was I was watching this story about Bottlegate. And for those of you who don't know about Bottlegate, uh, this is pretty much what you've been seeing um, in the NBA the past week with these fan interactions, plus, plus Vernon Maxwell, plus the Nas at the Palace, plus what, uh, I can't remember uh, what happened to Ernie Grunfield. I can't remember the player who did it to him, but, you know, plus you add all those things, you add all that stuff together, it barely equals what happened to that bottle game because there was two instances in the NFL in which fans went completely off the rail. And they went so bad where they started throwing bottles, all type of shit into the field. Uh, the first example, I believe it was a Browns game. I can't remember exactly who they were playing. Maybe the team will come to me and just, if I can't think of it in one more second, that's not important. Also, there's another example with the Saints and the Rams. I believe that next Monday night, actually that Monday night, uh, the, the, the the Browns game was on Sunday. The, uh, the Saints and the Rams played the very next day. Uh, long story short there, you know, missed call, you know, was made or it wasn't made. And, uh, you know, it, it affected New Orleans and their fans went berserk. They're throwing, so you got two back-to-back -back games uh, within the 24-hour period almost where, where fans threw hundreds of bottles and, you know, violently uh, reacted en masse. Not just, one, not just one little fan throwing a bottle, a water bottle, or uh, some popcorn at, at, at a basketball player. No, we're talking about... You know, hundreds of bottles being thrown on a football field to hit referees and maybe even other players. So, again, you know, if we talk about, you know, that, trust me, it's a lot worse than, you know, uh, trust me, NBA players, trust me, y'all ain't got it that bad. Y'all haven't seen it. Y'all haven't, you know, you, you don't even know. You don't even know the half of it. But are fans wrong? Yes. You don't need to be throwing nothing to no fans. There's nothing that justifies you to be able to do that. Sorry. There's no justification. Let it go. Um, but, uh, oh, also, let's move back to Boston. We, we went a little bit off the deep end a little bit. Let's talk. Let's get back to Boston. Um, what's next for them? Uh, well, recently, Danny Ainge retired from his position of head of basketball operations, and that position will be given to head coach Brad Stevens. Again, that is their first that is their first big choice personnel wise in terms of players. I don't know what they can necessarily do right now. I don't know their salary cap situation. I don't know who's signed to what. I don't know that all about this team just yet. But um, if again, if anybody wants me to go through these off do go through um, possible off season situations for these teams, let me know. Um, I'm definitely contemplating doing one for uh, the Lakers. And the Blazers, uh, Blake, uh, sorry, the Blazers for one, because that's my team. The Lakers for one, because I don't think that was a team that we were expecting to leave or be eliminated in the first round. So I think it would be important to kind of, you know, talk about what they could do to, to get some more success. Um, but if you, I mean, if anybody has any suggestions about what team they might want to hear about, maybe you want might want to hear about your favorite team specifically, uh, drop me a comment, drop me uh, some type of message 
you know, I'll see, no, I'll, I'll do it for you if you'd like. Uh, but as far as the Celtics, like I said, uh, they do have some front office things changing, of course, with Danny Age and Brad Stevens. Uh, as, turning, as, as, as far as player personnel is concerned, I don't know all the answers for that. I do know that you have Jalen Brown there. You do have Jason Tatum there. You know what you got from those two guys. Uh, you do have Kimba there. Maybe you do make a move uh, regarding Kimba. I don't think Kimba might be. I don't think Kimba is the the answer. Uh, I don't think he is a pure or your number one choice for a a championship squad, at least at the point guard position. So maybe you do make something happen there. Um, maybe you might promote Marcus Smart to that position. I like. I've always liked Marcus Smart, uh, but that's just me. Uh, moving on, we got uh, the number three seed. Number three seed Milwaukee Bucks taking out the Miami Heat, the number six seed. Uh, this was a straight sweep, four games to one again. Uh, nothing, nothing new here. Uh, we pretty much knew what we were going to get from this series. Well, actually, we kind of didn't know because last season, you know, the Heat did beat this team. But um, I think on paper, I think the Bucks were the better team last year. Uh, they just proved that again this year by kind of by getting it done. Um, Miami had no answers. These games were virtually not that close. Um, and uh, just again, just another reason why, you know, you, you, you never know what you're going to get each year. You, you really don't. Now, finally, uh, wrapping up the Eastern Conference, uh, we had the Sixers taking out the Wizards in five games, of course, four games to one. Um, again, another cut-and-dry series. We already knew what was going to happen here. Joel Embiid did his thing. I think another, I think an X-factor in this series was definitely Tobias Harris, averaging over 20 points a game in this series. I pretty much think this is the reason why they didn't, they didn't need six games or didn't have an overtime period. Just having that extra Tobias just that extra that extra scoring help there I think was the biggest factor for them because again if you look at the Wizards all they have is Russ and and Bill and Russ isn't on par with Bill in terms of a pure scoring so that's you're kind of you're kind of limited there with the Wizards so um again nothing that we weren't you know we weren't nothing that we weren't expecting in that series all right, y'all, I'm going to take one last quick break, and when I get back, we're breaking down some baseball. Of course, we're going to be breaking down some scores. We're breaking down the standings. Of course, I wanted to break down the stats, some stats as well. So I'll be right back, y'all. this up for the day let me get on into it with some baseball news of course we're gonna wrap up uh the, the news over the past couple of days like i said we're gonna go over some scores from yesterday uh we are getting underway with friday's action like in like another 15 or so minutes uh actually some of those games might even be underway but i am gonna go over uh the uh, the standings as well as some you know positional well stat rankings so let's just go ahead and get into it uh on wednesday we had lou garrick day 
Now, this was the first annual celebration of one of the game's best hitters, Chorus Lou Gehrig, who passed away eight years ago today from a, sorry, 80 years ago Wednesday from a condition known as am amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, also known as, known as ALS. It was eventually named after Gehrig, uh, being that he was one of the first documented people to develop it. ALS is an incurable incurable disease, excuse me, that weakens the muscle, weakens the muscles and impacts physical function. Um, my grandmother on my mother's side uh, suffered through this as well, so I definitely uh, am understanding of it. I I'm very uh, I'm well aware of it. So um, uh, this day, well, you know, I I definitely respect what the NLB is doing there. Um, I like to move here. Um, that uh, ALS and Lou Gehrig has, has kind of always went hand in hand. Um, he's always been that face uh, from all these years to kind of put something on that, you know, just at least the awareness on it. Um, the MLB is that uh, the MLB establishes day in order to bring awareness and to help provide more research. Uh, June 2nd is a significant date because it was the day that Lou Gehrig became the Yankee starter at first base. And it was also the day that uh, he would well he would pass away from the disease at just 37 years old. Uh, he was known as the Iron Horse. Uh, Gehrig would play baseball for 17 seasons, all with the New York Yankees. He would become a seven-time All-Star, uh, pretty much seven times in a row. He was also also a Triple Crown winner, uh, which means he was a leader in home runs, RBI, and I want to say average. Um, as well, I could be off on that, but he he led the league in three categories. Uh, that is that is what qualifies you for a triple crown. Uh, he also uh, would win six World Series titles with the team, and he was also a two-time AL MVP. Over his career, he would bat at a 3.40 average, 4.44. He had a 4.44 on base percentage and a 632 uh, 6.32 slugging average. He had 493 home runs in his career as well as 1,995 RBIs. Until this day, he holds the highest ratio for home runs per 100 appearances, uh, and that is 35. So he hit 35 home runs for every uh, 100 appearances and per 100 games. Uh, he had a ratio of 157. So for uh, every 100 games, he would have 157 home runs. And like I said, for every uh, Every 100 batting appearances, he would have had 35 home runs. So he was a power hitter. I think if he had not uh, passed away so early, uh, what we see with you know baseball players now, I'm pretty sure he would have probably played until f almost 47. Uh, you probably would have even higher numbers. But again, um, Lou Gehrig, one of the best uh, players at his position. Uh, he's definitely uh, given one of the nods as one of the best one of the best players in the league. Um, and he is your he is he had become one of the faces of ALS and uh, for all the people who have gone through that uh, my condolences anybody who's also a family member I, 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 my condolences you have somebody who understands where you're coming from I can sympathize with you uh, completely uh, for all those who are involved um, in any type of research what I will do uh, is in the description for this episode, I will leave some links for you guys uh, to kind of look into what it was all about, more into Lou Gehrig Day, also ALS in general. So uh, for those of you who are listening to this on uh, Spotify, uh, you will see somewhere in the in the credits or in my, you know, whatever 
my description is some type of links here uh, related to this but r.i.p to lou garrick r.i.p to all those who have lost their lives due to due to this, to this disease and i want to give well wishes for those who are trying to bring the awareness and more of the research funds to it um also i want to talk about uh, one more piece of news before i get well, there's two more pieces of news I wanted to get through real quick. Uh, one is referring to a current player who is alive, uh, Marcel Azuna of the Braves. Uh, he has been arrested and he has been charged. He has been charged with aggravated assault. Let's 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 get these details for you guys. He was arrested and charged with felony assault. Uh, according to police eyewitnesses, he choked and he choked and slammed his wife up against a wall. The charges of aggravated assault by strangulation carries a minimum of three and a maximum of 20 years. The MLB will also launch his own investigation, so for now, just think of him as not in the league. He ain't playing. Uh, the incident report also shows that Azuna struck his wife uh, with his arm, which had a cast on it. So again, just, just just violent just i don't know what started all this there's no real indicator here but just that they've been going back and forth um he was restricted he would he will be placed on a restricted list by the mlb so he won't be getting paid and he won't be able to play of course um and this incident occurred a year after his wife genesis uh was charged with a misdemeanor of her own for domestic battery. So this is a toxic relationship. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, stay away from toxic relationships. If somebody uh, is putting their hands on you physically, get out of that relationship, man or woman. It's not worth it. Um, ain't no telling where this relationship, or ain't no telling where this fight could have led to had the police not been there. Um, you can, you know, you can go over the line so easily. And it, it doesn't take so much. And again, it, it's obvious in this situation where it was it was mutual because again, um, his wife Genesis uh, had been charged with domestic battery at some point too. This is not worth it. I, that's not love, y'all. I don't know. I don't know how many times I need to tell people this. That is not love. If a man hits you, he does not love you. I'm sorry. There's nothing he can do to say that. If a woman is hitting you, she does not love you, fellas. There's, that's not love. That is abuse. That it, it's, I mean, if it, 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 I mean, again, people could, could, people could convince themselves that it is love, but the more you try to convince yourself that it is, the more you become toxic. The more you are pretty much being intoxicated. It's not good. So this man, um, all for love, I guess he he fucked up his his entire career, and he's gonna have to go to jail. Hopefully, you know, for his case, he doesn't have to do twenty years. You know, and all, all for what? All because he couldn't, you know, and who knows what started this? Um, he he could have been um, in a bad situation because he can't play right now. And uh, he's worried about that. He's worried about future income. And maybe she's on his back about something. Who knows? We don't know, you know. Um, but if it's if it's if it got you going upside that woman's head, if you have to consider that, fellas, walk away. Ladies, if you have to consider do anything physical to him walk away it is not worth it it is not worth your livelihood it is not worth you going to jail over it ain't worth it fellas you are definitely going to jail ladies there are times in which you can go to jail will it have been worth it to do that over somebody who i'm telling you in the long i'm telling you in the long run when you get into a better relationship that's what again that's why i'm single now 
Because <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to be waking up tripping about somebody and what they do. I'm not going to be waking up because I'm the type of person who's not abusive, but I'm, I, I could still, I could, I still would have the, ne- the tendency to be negative with a person. I could, I could wake up and think a girl is cheating on me and I'm cheating, treating her bad all day. That ain't right either. So trust me, it ain't right. If, if, if you're waking up being toxic for no fucking reason for shit that you can't control, leave. I did it. I left. Yeah. Some days I think, oh man, I missed, missed being with somebody, but at the same time, I got to be too toxic. It didn't work. So it is what it is. One last story um, we got coming out of Arizona. And this is coming from one of their um, their TV analysts, Bob Brindley. Uh, recently, he has decided to take a leave, a voluntary leave of absence, uh, and it enters some sensitivity training due to comments he made recently regarding New York Mets pitcher Marcus Stroman, who happens to be a brother, a.k.a. a black man. Um, this is what he said on Tuesday, uh, referring to a, a do-rag that your boy had on. He goes on to say, pretty sure that's the same do-rag that Tom Seaver used to wear when he when he uh, played for the Mets. Now, for those of you who may not know who Tom Seaver is, he is an all-star, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a Hall of Famer pitcher for the Mets, period, point blank. Uh, basically, Marcus Stroman was wearing a do-rag. And he decided to make a joke about it. The joke itself doesn't really seem all that bad, but it's not necessary either, in my opinion. Jokes about do rags, Joseph Edmund again, cultural, you know, pl- culturally placed jokes or jokes meant to, you know, kind of poke at somebody's culture, somebody's race. You leave it alone. Um, I, I know it's it's a hard line right now but if you're not a comedian i'd say let it go you're not funny you're not you're not going to get the clearance of being funny and this is just a sensitive time period anyways everything everything is going to be taken to the next level you know racist that's racist sexist and anti-semitic you need to know better that's just the way we act um but former Chicago Cubs, Cubs player Aramis Ramirez would also go out to speak against Brindley as well. Uh, he also went on to say that he had a lot of terrible things to say about Latino players as well. So maybe this dude just has issues. Maybe he is a little bit of a racist. The com- that comment itself, it was meant. To, I know it was meant to be silly. I know it. I know it was. But it wasn't funny. So it doesn't work. It's like... It's like a it's like a dude that like jokes with you that's not your partner and you like what the fuck like you you're not laughing and you reacting in a way that he cause he picks up as negative so he's trying to figure out well, what the fuck like are you like he don't know what the, but he he says something it didn't work for you that joke didn't work for you there's just certain things you don't joke about especially in a public setting like that maybe with your white partners maybe with that wonderful black dude that understands you maybe he might get it. But just to say that like that about somebody's do rag and all that, that that ain't it don't work. It don't work. Again, I'm not again, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever heard. No. But it wasn't it also wasn't necessary. It also wasn't necessary, y'all. Okay. Let's move on. Let's get into the scores. Um of course, like I said before, we have some na- some action going on as we speak. But a couple of the top scores from yesterday, uh, we got the Braves getting it done against the Nationals 5-1. to one. The Braves are 26-28. The Nationals are 23-30. and 30. For the Nationals, they were led by catcher Alex Avila. He did have an RBI. He'll bring the, 
bringing the team's only RBI. Uh, pitcher Patrick Corbin will take the L. He's currently three and five on the year. Uh, yesterday, in yesterday's game, he will give up six six hits, four on runs. He would also have two walks. Uh, he would give four strikeouts as well. For the Braves, they were led by shortstop Dansby Swanson. He would have a two-run home run, uh, and second baseman Ozzy Albies would have a would have two RBIs. Excuse me. Moving on, we got the Tigers. The Tigers taking an L to the White Sox, one to four. We got the Pirates getting it done against the Marlins, five to three. We got the Rays getting it done against the Yankees, nine to two. Uh, we also got the Red Sox getting the win against the the Astros. Excuse me, five to one. The Red Sox are thirty three and twenty three. The Astros are thirty one and twenty five. For the Red Sox, they were led by second baseman Christian Arroyo. He would have a three run home run. Uh, shortstop Xavier Bogarts would have two RBIs, and pitcher Martin Perez will get the win. He's currently four and four and two on the year. He would go for seven innings yesterday. He would give up six hits, but he only had one walk, um, one earned run. He also had four strikeouts as well. For the Astros, uh, offensively, they got help from Yuli Gurriel. He was only he was able to provide the team solo um, solo RBI on a solo home run. Uh, pitcher pitcher Jake Odorizzi, he would get the start. Uh, he would also take the L in this one. Uh, it's currently 0-3 and three on the year. Uh, in this game, he would go three for three innings, giving up four hits and three earned runs. He would also give up three walks and a home run. Uh, let's move on. We got the Rangers uh, taking another L here on the year to the Rockies. Uh, 6-11 to was the final score. For the Rangers, they are 22-36. and 36. And for the Rockies, they are 23-24. and 24. Both teams are pretty much at the bottom of the respective divisions, but we'll get to that in a second. For the Rangers, they were led by left fielder Chris Davis and catcher Jose Trevino. They were both hit two-run home runs. Uh, for the Rockies, they were led by right fielder Charlie Blackman. He would hit three RBIs and a home run. Uh, shortstop Brendan Rodgers would bring in three runs as well. And pitcher Austin Gomber would get the win here. He's currently 4-5 and five this season. Uh, he would go for six innings yesterday, giving up three hits. He would have zero earned runs, and he would have six strikeouts. Uh, the rest of the scores go like this. The D-backs get the best. Sorry, the D-backs lose to the Brewers 4-7. The Twins get the best. Sorry, the, the Royals get the best of the Twins 6-5. The Reds beat the Cardinals 4-2. The Angels take a loss to the Mariners 6-2. The Giants get it done against the Cubs 7-2. And finally, the, the Padres get the dub over the Mets 4-3. Let's move on to the standings. We're going to start off in the American League. In the East Division, we have the we have the Rays here, 36 and 22, 7 and 3 in their last 10. They have a plus 67 run differential, which is the best in the division, of course. Uh, and they are 24 and 18 versus teams above 500, so they get it done against playoff bound teams. There's nothing you can say. Uh, the Red Sox here, they are 33 and 23 overall, two two games back, and five and five in their last 10. The Yankees are behind them, four games, four and a half games back from the lead, though. 31 and 26 is their current record. They're three and seven in their last 10. Uh, we got the Blue Jays here at the four place spot, five games back, 29 and 25. Uh, they're six and four in their last 10, but they have one, two, uh, two back to back games and two back to back games here. Uh, the Orioles, uh, 19 and seven, 16 games back. They're pretty much out of it. Uh, they also have a negative 62 run differential. Uh, nothing good to say about this team right now. Nothing. Moving on to the central, we have the White Sox here, 34 and 22, 7 and 3 in the last 10. They have a plus 82 run differential, so they're scoring runs left and 
left and right pretty much. I think this is the best in the league, if I'm not mistaken, between both leagues. Um, moving on, we have the Indians here, 30 and 24. Three games back from them, 6 and 4 in the last 10. They have a negative 6 run differential. Behind them, we have the Royals at the third place by 28 and 26. Five games back, 7 and 3 in their last 10. They do have a four game winning streak, but they do have a negative 13 run differential. Uh, right at the bottom in the AL Central, we have the Tigers and the Twins. Uh, the Tigers are 23 and 33, and the Twins are 22 and 34. Out in the AL West, we have the A's still at number one, 32 and 25 is where they're at currently. They've gone five and five in their last 10, but they've won back to back games. Uh, they're currently uh, 15 and eight versus teams above 500, uh, but they do have a really good record away from home, which is 16 and eight, uh, which will come in handy just in case things fall apart for them and they lose that lead, which could be possible. Just saying. I'll be able to win on the road. <laughs> um, it's important. Uh, the Astros are 31 and 25, one game back, five and five in the last 10. They have a plus 58 run differential, and they are 21 and 14 against teams above 500. The Mariners are 29 and 29, so exactly at 500. They're four games back. They've gone seven and three in their last 10, but they have a negative five run differential, so they're not they're not scoring a whole lot. We'll get to more some more of their stats in just a little bit. Uh, for the Rangers, they are. Fifth, uh, 22, sorry, before then we had the Angels at fourth, 25 and 31, and we had the Rangers here. They are riding a nine-game losing streak. They are 22 and 36. Let's, let's move on to the National League. In the East, we had the Nets, the Mets. I call them the Nets. Don't listen to me. The Mets. They are the Mets. Meet the Nets. 27 and 22, six and four in the last 10, two and 11 versus teams, uh, teams above 500. Not a good stat, particularly if you want to consider this team a playoff team. That's what I'm going to say straight up. I don't see them as a playoff team. I really think we'll get more to their stats in just a second, just kind of their stats in just a second, but I don't think this team is going to hold on to this position that much longer. Uh, but behind them, we have the Braves here, three and a half games back, six and four in the last 10. Behind them at the third place spot, we have the Phillies, 26 and 29, four games back, four and six in their last 10. We have the Marlins here at 24 and 31, six games back, three and seven in their last 10. But they are suffering a seven game losing streak. Behind them in the last place spot, we have the Nationals here, 23 and 36 games back. Uh, they are three and seven in the last 10, and they have a negative 23 run differential. Uh, for the Central, uh, we have the Cubs on top, 20, sorry, 32 and 24. They've gone eight and two in the last 10. They have a plus 33 run differential. They're also four and t 14 and 10 against teams that are above 500. Behind them, we have the Cardinals at 31 and 26. They are a game and a half back, five and five in the last 10, but they are they're suffering back-to-back L's. Uh, at third place, at the third place spot, we have the Brewers out of Milwaukee, 30 and 26, just two games back, seven and three in the last 10, and they are 17 and 11 versus teams above 500. Uh, this is probably one of the better conferences when it comes to records against teams above 500 right here. Um, behind them, though, we have the, the Reds, 25 and 29, six games back, five and five in the last 10, and of course, the Pirates, garbage as ever. 21 and 34, 10 and a half games back, negative 81 different run differential. That is actually the worst in the MLB at the moment. Moving on uh, to the West, we have the Giants here. They are 35 and 21, 7 and 3 in their last 10. They have a uh, plus 67 run differential. They are 500, 500 against teams uh, that are above 500 themselves. Uh, they are 10 and 10 against them, and they are 19 and 13 away from home. Uh, behind them, we have the Padres. They are 35 and 23, just one game back. They are five and five 
in their last 10, uh, but they have a plus 76 run differential. They are 9-17 and 17 against teams above 500, and they are also 16-13 and 13 away from home. So they're also pretty good away from home, too. Uh, the Dodgers, same thing here. 33-23 um, and 23 is their current record. They are two games back in the NL West. They are 5-5 five and five in the last 10 with a plus 83 run differential, and they are 13 13 14 and 13 14 and 13 away from home the rockets are 23 and 24 and the d-backs last place garbage 20 and 33 let's look at the lead leaguers lead league league leaders goodness gracious look at let's look at the league leaders here uh the top 10 hitters in the league right now according to ops which is on base plus slugging uh combined uh we're also going to mention in some of their other stats as well so You'll get a good idea of who's who. Uh, the number one hitter in the league currently is Vlad Guerrero Jr., just like his daddy, just hitting the ball really good. Uh, first baseman out of Toronto, 194 at-bats. Uh, he's played in 54 games so far this year. He has 42 runs. He also has 65 hits, 17 home runs, which is tied for the league. Uh, for the league in all of baseball, he's also second in RBIs with 45. Uh, his hitting splits currently look look like this, 335, 440, uh, and 665. His 440-on-base percentage is the first is the first in the league and his 665 slugging percentage is also first in the league and of course his OPS is first and is 1.105 uh, Nick Castellanos is second uh, out of Cincinnati right fielder uh, seven, 71 hits he's also second in the league in that department he's tied for third in doubles uh, he also has a 364 average which is which is first uh, in in all of baseball he also has a 1.062 OPS um, he also has a 421 on base percentage and a 641 slugging percentage third best hitter is Jesse Winkler out of Cincinnati left fielder uh, 65 hits so far in the year 14 home runs he has a 1.044 OPS uh, hitting splits 340 uh, sorry, 348, 408, and also 636. Ronald Acuna is the fourth best hitter in the league coming out of Atlanta. The right fielder has 45 runs uh, score total, uh, and that is first in all of baseball. He has 17 home runs. He also has 35 RBIs and nine stolen bases, which is also the first, which is also first in baseball. He has an OPS of 1.021. Uh, moving on, we have Chris Bryant from the Cubs, third baseman. Uh, he has a six, he has 16 doubles, 12 home runs. Uh, hitting splits look like this, 316, 395, and also 596. Uh, the sixth best hitter in the league is Max Muncy of the Dodgers. The first baseman has 61 hits, 12 home runs. Uh, he has an OPS, oh, excuse me. Uh, he leads the league in Watts with 45. Uh, he also is second in off-base percentage, which is 428. Um, up next, we have J.D. Martinez, the designated hitter from the Red Sox. He leads the league in hits with 66. He also has 205 at-bats. Uh, he's tied for third in runs scored with 42. Uh, moving on, we have his teammate, Rafael Devers, third baseman. Uh, he is second in doubles with 18. He has 14 home runs. He has 39 RBIs. He also has been struck out 60 times, 62 times, which is the most uh, in in baseball right now. Uh, the ninth best hitter in the league is Matt Olson of the A's. Uh, first, the first baseman has 34 runs scored. He's also he also has 51 hits, 14 home runs, and 13 doubles. We also have an extra base hitter right here as well. And number 10, we have Jared Walsh of the Angels. Yes, the guy who took Albert Pujols' spot. Uh, the first baseman has 58 hits, 14 home runs, and 37 RBIs on the season. Uh, some other stat leaders not in the top 10. Uh, we have Adam Frazier. 
second baseman of second baseman from Cincinnati. Cincinnati, excuse me. He leads the league in hits with 72. He also leads the league in doubles with 19. Um, we also have Jose Abreu, Abreu, excuse me, uh, first baseman of the White Sox. He is the league leader in RBIs. Um, you also got Whit Merrifield of the Royals, second baseman. Uh, he leads the league in stolen basemen, stolen bases. Sorry, 16 stolen bases for him, and he's only been caught once. Let's take a look at the top 10 teams uh, in terms of batting. Of course, this is all based on OPS. We're going to start off with number one with the Blue Jays. They have 272 runs scored. Uh, that puts them at six in the league. Uh, they also have uh, 475 hits, which is third in the league. They have 81 home runs, which is second. And their team's uh, batting splits are 259, 325, and also 442. Uh, their average, their team average is second. Their on-base percentage is fourth. And their, um, sorry, their their slugging percentage is first. Uh, altogether, that gives them an OPS of seven. Uh, sorry, point point seven six nine. Uh, behind them, we have the Astros. Uh, they have two hundred and ninety two runs total, which is second. They lead the league in hits with five hundred and eight. They have sixty two overall home runs. They are second in RBIs with two hundred and seventy four. Uh, they have they are first in team batting average. Uh, they are third in on base percentage with three thirty three. Like I said, that average is 264, and they are six in slugging percentage with 421, and that gives them an OPS of .756. Uh, moving on to number three, we have the Red Sox here. They have 276 runs scored so far, which is good enough for fourth in the league. They are second in hits with 485. They are they have 70 home runs. Uh, they are also uh, first in RBIs uh, with 256. Uh, they terms of their splitting, their terms of their hitting splits. Excuse me. Uh, they are third in average, which is uh, 257. They are tenth in on base percentage, which is 325, and they are second in slugging percentage, that is 438. That gives them an OPS of 0.769. Uh, moving on, uh, we have. Um, Moving on, we got the Dodgers here who lead the league in RBIs, uh, 286 to be exact. They also lead the league in walks drawn with 250. They are first in runs scored with 298. And their hitting splits are 242, 341, and 413. Uh, that averages out to a 7.54 OPS. Uh, fifth place, we have the Chicago White Sox. They are second in the league in on-base percentage, uh, with two, uh, with, sorry, with a 3.41. Uh, they are also they also have a 2.55 uh, batting average as a team. They also have a 4.09 slugging average. They are fifth in hits with 471, and that gives them an OPS of 7.50. Uh, moving on, we have the Reds here. Uh, they have a 248 team batting average, 324 on base percentage, and they are fourth in team slugging with 424. They have a 748 OPS, and they are eighth in baseball in hits. Uh, uh, going to number seven, we have the Braves here. They are first in home runs with 84. They are 10th in run scores with 262. Uh, they currently are batting 234 as a team with a 315 on base percentage, and they are third in slugging with 432. They have an OPS of 747. The Twins are fifth in doubles in the league, uh, 105. They are fourth in home runs with 77. They are 10th in, sorry, 10th in walks drawn with 194. Uh, they are batting as a team at 240 they have a 316 on base percentage as a team and they are fifth in slugging percentage so that gives them a ops of 739 
We got the Dodgers, uh, sorry, the Giants here with 79 home runs, which is third in baseball. They have 255 RBIs, which is seventh. Uh, they are batting at 232, 319 on base percentage, and 438 slugging. They have an OPS of 732. And finally, we have the Cubs here with a 240 average, 319 on base percentage, which is seventh in the league. Uh, seventh in all of baseball and 414 on sorry 414 slugging which is ninth and they have an OPS of sorry 0.732 these are a couple teams that are struggling uh, basically near the bottom 27 28 and 29 in league in, in all of baseball uh, respectively so the 27th 28th sorry the 20th 28th 29th and 30th worst team okay the very worst team, of course, is the Pirates. Just a 650 OPS, 38 total home runs. That is last in the league. Uh, their hitting splits look like this. This this is what their hitting splits look like. 228, 299, and uh, 351 slugging, which is last in the league. They have 188 total runs, which is 29th. 29th of 30 teams. Uh, the Mariners, they have a 651 OPS. Uh, they are last in team batting average with 208, last in team on base percentage, which is 284, and they have a 364 slugging percentage. For the Tigers, they have a 659 OPS. Uh, they are they have a 226 batting average. Uh, they have a 297 on base percentage, and they have 367 slugging average. And uh, they are 27th. In, out of 30 teams in terms of total runs, and that is 205. They have 205 total runs. Uh, moving on, we're going to talk about the top 10 pitchers in the league based on ERA. Uh, first pitcher we're going to talk about is Jacob deGrom of the New York Mets. He's 4-2 so far this year with a .71 ERA. He's pitching about 51 innings so far, giving up 22 hits. He's also had four earned runs and 82 strikeouts. Uh, he's also first in the league in whip, which is, you know, walks and hits allowed per the nine innings, uh, which is a .5, uh, .57. He also has an average of a 129. Uh, this is the average that, you know, batters are getting from him. Uh, that is 129. That's also first in the league as well. The problem with Jacob deGrom is that he's been suffering through some injury uh, problems. Um, no, no, not, that's not him. That's Syndergaard. Let me take that back. It's Noah Syndergaard. So, actually, Jacob DeGrom, one of the top pitchers. I had him confused with somebody else. Second best pitcher in the league, we got uh, Lance Lynn of the Chicago White Sox. Currently 7-1 on the year. ERA of 1.25. Uh, he's only given up 37 hits so far this year. He does have eight earned runs. He has given up 17 walks as well. He has 63 uh, strikeouts on the year with a whip of .92 and a point. 172 average. Uh, moving on to Brandon Woodruff of the Brewers. Uh, he's 4 and 2 currently so far in the year, 1.27 ERA. He's pitching about 71 innings so far this year. He does have 83 strikeouts and he's second in whip. He's tied for second with his whip with a .92 as well. And uh, moving on to number four, uh, we have Kevin Gossman of the Giants. He's currently six and zero on the year, one point four ERA, eighty three strikeouts. Uh, he has a he's only given up an average of of uh, one sixty three. Uh, moving on to number five, we have Trevor Rogers of the Marlins, six and three so far on the year, one point eighty seven ERA. He has given up a, a good number of walks with twenty. With 22, uh, but he's eighth in strikeouts with uh, 76. He also has a whip of 1.10, and he has an average of 213. At number six, we have John Means of the Orioles, 2.05 ERA. He does have a complete game on his record so far. He has given up 16 or runs. It has been a struggle 
with the Orioles, just to say the least. He does have 68 strikeouts on the year, and his whip is relatively low as well, uh, .80. Uh, but he does have 11 home runs that he's given up this year. Joe Musgrove is the next best pitcher uh, of the Padres. He is a, he has a 2.08 ERA, 79 strikeouts on the year. He's third in whip with .76. Up next, we have Taiwan Walker, also of the New York Mets, 2.17 ERA. He's had 10 starts so far on the year. He's pitching about 54 innings, giving, about, giving up about 34 hits. He has had the, the most amount of walks so far with 51, though. Uh, moving on to Kyle Gibson, uh, he is 3-0 on the year, 2.24 ERA. And finally, we have Trevor Bauer of the Dodgers, 6-3 on the year, 2.24 ERA. He's tied for the second most home runs, giving up with 13. Uh, he's given up 19 earned runs, and he's also, but he is fourth in strikeouts with 96. He also has a .83 whip and a 150 average. Uh, let's look at some other starters um, that are lead leaders, uh, but not in the top 10. Uh, in terms of strikeouts, we have Shane Bieber, <laughs> Shane Bieber of the Cleveland Indians with 117 strikeouts. Um, in terms of wins, we have Jack Flaherty. He is uh, holding it down for the Cardinals with eight wins so far in the year. I believe he just has one loss. Um, in terms of the bullpen, some of the best clothes in the league, uh, we have Mark Melikon, the Padres, .71 ERA. Uh, he's had the most saves so far this year with 18. Uh, he's at eight, he, he has had 18 saves on 20 opportunities. Uh, he's had 19 strikeouts. He has a .99 whip, and he has an average of one. He's only given up an average of one, 172. Up next, we have Alex Reyes of the Cardinals. Not only does he, not only is he perfect on his save attempts, he also has a three and one record. Uh, he has 40 strikeouts, a 1.38 ER, sorry, 1.38 WHIP, and a 140 average. Behind him, we have Lance Hendricks with a 1.96 ERA. He's 14 to 16 on his save attempts. He has 38 strikeouts uh, with a .78 whip and a 174 average uh, up next behind him we have a couple players tied for fourth uh, in the league with Josh Hader uh, one of those one of those being Josh Hader for the Brewers he has a .79 ERA he's 13 to 13 on the save attempts with 40 strikeouts he also has a seven sorry a .79 whip and a 130 average and uh, we have Craig Kimbrell here of the Cubs uh, he has a .78 ERA 13 to 15 on his save on his save attempts. He has 41 strikeouts, uh, .67 uh, WHIP, and he has he's given up a 127 average, which is the lowest amongst the closing pitchers here. We have a lot of pitchers here tied for six, but we're just going to talk about a couple of them. One of them being Matt Barnes of the Red Sox. Uh, he's given up a 2.63 ERA this year. He's 12 and 13 on the save attempts. However, he is first in terms of closing pitchers in terms of his whip, which is a .67. He also has 41 strikeouts as well. Uh, let's take a look at Adroitus, Adroitus Chapman of the New York Yankees. He has a .41 ERA. He also has a 4-0 record on the year, and he has 12 and 14 on his save attempts. With with 42 strikeouts. Finally, uh, we have Ian Kennedy here of the Rangers. He's a 1.77 ERA. He's converted 11 of his 12 save attempts, and he has a .93 whip. All right, y'all. I'm calling it a wrap for today. Uh, my next episode, of course, we'll be going over some more of this playoff action. We got round two picking up tomorrow. We have game six of the Mavericks. And the Clippers going on tonight. I do not know who wins that one, but we will be covering. Up, we will be covering 
the final score we got you I'm also working on that review for the room as well if you're looking to get in touch with me I have a Facebook page never out of bounds you can also follow me on uh, Instagram ljamal791 once again that is E-L-J-A-M-A-H 791 again that is ljamal791 E-L-J-A-M-A-H 791 if anybody hasn't told you yet I love you peace out one love and I'll highlight you guys later